0: The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned.
2: Hey there true believers! On this
3: splash-tastic episode, we're talking with Catherine Schuler Grumall, about her late husband, the great Mark Grumall. We discuss the career Mark had with Marvel along with this role in Captain America, along with a tribute to Mark in the Disney Plus show, Loki. We will also review Squadron Supreme, plus a lot more awesomeness following these important messages.
0: It's a bird! It's
4: a plane! Batman! Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind.
3: So the only thing left to say, of course... Is the one obvious thing.
4: Excelsior! Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating, it brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee coffee to die for and zombie approval. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're
1: so disgusting.
4: Happy Tuesday, all. Welcome to Splash Pages, the comic book club. Today's going to be an awesome show. Not only do we have an amazing guest, we're going to be traveling back to 1985 to talk about an utterly amazing series as well. But as always, we have the Velvet Joker. How's it going, sir? Great. Glad to be here tonight. Glad to see everyone. Happy to... uh... Have our great and fantastic
0: guest with uh, some verse knowledge of uh, the world of comics. Exactly.
2: Drew, how's it going, sir? Doing good. Just had to bring this out of storage. I'm super excited for this guest. And fun fact, the person we're talking about, Mark Renwald, had a Captain America replica that he owned, and that's the same replica that is now currently owned by Stephen Colbert. So if you thought that was cool, stick around. It gets even cooler.
4: Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Chris, how's it going, sir?
1: Hey, Chris, what's up?
4: would you like to introduce our awesome guest?
1: Yes, uh, the, the guest for tonight's show is Catherine Chewer, the uh, widow of Mark Grunewald, writer of Marvel Comics pantheon of books such as The Squadron Supreme and The Official Handbook to the Marvel Universe, but no, most notably, of course, a uh, one of the longest runs on Captain America. Thank you for coming on the show with us, Catherine.
3: Well, thanks for having me, guys. My
1: favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, you have a, I think it's coming up soon. Isn't there like a, a Mark Grunwald scholarship uh, contest or something in his hometown that's coming up very soon?
3: Yeah, they've, it's our season three. It's our third year we're going into. Um, They've created in his hometown of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, the Mark Grunewald Comic Book Creation Challenge. So um, it's sponsored by the Oshkosh Public Library, by Uh the Literacy Council of Oshkosh, of Wisconsin, actually, the Wisconsin Literacy Council. Um, The uh, Aeronautics Flight, BAA, is out there um, on board with it, too. And also Cerrone's Pizza. (laughs) <laughs> They've named a pizza after Mark. Oh, Tom DeFelco said there's no higher honor than having a pizza named after you. So <laughs> and it's red, white, I, I, and blue because it's red it's Captain America. So it's a little bit of uh steak, uh blueberry sauce and white mozzarella. So it's red, white, and blue.
4: <laughs> Interesting. Awesome. That's awesome.
2: Okay. That's that Amazing. kicks off
3: this week, actually. So all the kids are going to pick up their supplies. They're all donated by the Literacy Council, and they pick up their supplies. Mm-hmm. And um, they will. There's about six different categories, age age mm-hmm. categories, uh, ranging from age seven to seventy. Um, mm-hmm. Families can do it together. There's a group um, one, two, and um, if anybody wants a, a more information on it, there's a Facebook page. It's the Mark Grunwald uh, Comic Book. Creation Challenge, and um, it's only open to the people in Oshkosh and Wisconsin right now. They may make it nationwide, but we've had a lot of uh, great success with it, and um, Onomatopoeia Productions is my partner, and he is a printer, publisher, and a huge fan of Mark's, and he publishes everyone's comics at the end of the contest, so they get a hard copy of what they've submitted, which is a great prize.
2: Awesome. Dan
3: Horton. <laughs> Love you, Dan. It's
2: probably Dan it. Leo, do we have it in our budget for a road trip to Wisconsin? Because this sounds great. I uh, know.
3: I, I, I think so. I think we have to save up, save our pennies. Because the actual uh, September 28th is when the contest is over and announced and the winners are announced. So I always try to go out and, um, you know, uh, we have workshops throughout the summer it's great mm-hmm. uh, it's just a great contest i know mark would love it and you know it's they named um, september 28th mark groom all day in oshkosh
1: oh cool right. so Hey, Leo, awesome. yeah. take the picture i just sent you in the group and po- post it up
4: okay give me a minute uh keep the conversation going while i find that absolutely Now, catherine um yeah the,
0: um when mark was working on a lot of his stuff did he ever bounce story ideas off you it's just always
3: that. Story of ideas off of anybody <laughs> yes and mm-hmm. I and you know every time I said something he would be it's been done it's been done it's been done so you know he always wanted to do something that no one thought of in comic books before so mm-hmm. when he finished you know writing every night he wrote after he came back from Marvel he wrote Quasar he wrote Captain America mm-hmm. he always had a story due but you know one night he came out he was gleeful he was actually so giddy and and he was, like, pumping his fist in the air saying, I've done something no one's done in comic books before. So um, I just know that he was always pushing himself to do, you know, where go where no one's been and to do where, what no one's thought of before. So we actually got into a car accident one time when I was giving him story ideas. Oh. And he was like, nope, been done, been done, be done, been done, be done. Bam, right to the back of the fender. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I was oh like, God. "Oh my God!" Now we, now, now we've got a lawsuit on our hands because it was a rented car, and they so- sued us for a million dollars. And I was like, "I hope that was a million dollar idea."
1: Oh, wow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so the answer is uh, always and forever and I uh, you know maybe I came up with a few things but uh, I think the one thing that um I did contribute was I had my niece come and live with us for our first year of marriage which was mm-hmm. 92 so he thought up the character from her and me as an amalgam called free spirit so free spirit was actually Kathy Webster and her. Her name was Kathy Weber, I was Catherine mm-hmm. Schiller, so it was a great amalgam of that. Um, and her tagline was, hate men, hunt men, hurt men. <laughs> so Free Spirit was um, created uh, during the time when um, our, my niece was staying with us. So he put lots of people into stories. Uh, you know, he, he always kind of, that was his own little private joke way to weave uh, different elements from his life into uh, what he thought was going to be the next, you know, character that he wanted to think of. And he probably thought up about 145 characters. So he used to come to my fashion shows and he'd sit there with a sketch pad and, you know, he would design costumes while he was watching my show because it was in the 80s and the 90s and there were, you know, big, I mean, it was super heroic fashions in those days. So um, he he was constantly gleaning ideas from anywhere he went, everywhere he went. Uh, He said everything is tax deductible. <laughs> so he just said you know concerts whatever uh movies everything fed into his um imagination and i really take a lot from from all that and i try and do my runway the real way and the event production business i have like the the bullpen you know so that i take ideas I'm not the authority. It doesn't. The buck doesn't stop with me. I kind of filter it and process it. I know where it needs to go, like he did. But um, I never. I, I take ideas wherever I can find them, and I um, gladly and encourage people's engagement. And that's what Mark did so well. I mean, he made you do things that you would never, ever think you could do and he would just ask you and he just couldn't say no. <laughs> Somehow you'd come up and figure it out.
0: Right, I imagine you guys fed off each other's creativity.
3: Yeah, and I mean, I was I wasn't a a fan, stalking fan type, but you know, he I was a theater person and a fashion person, and you know, uh, he included me into plenty of Comic Con sketches. If I wasn't videotaping him, I was in the sketch and writing it. And uh, you know, he in those days, the breakout sessions and the and the um, the 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 comic book summits and all that were really a lot to do. With the guys behind the scenes having fun with the fans, so it was a great—you um, know—it wasn't people lining up for autographs. It was, you know, uh, some—you uh, know—sessions with with all of the guys from Marvel. Mm-hmm. It, 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 stupid you know being silly he said i have to teach people how to how to um disrespect comics in a just in a respectful way so he would have things like bobbing for comics so you would you know and it was the more humiliating the better so you know you would have a pile of comics and people had to um use it not using their hands using just their their um, mouths Bob for comics, so they would have to like bobbing for apples. They <laughs> I mean, they would rip into these things and salivate all over them. And I was like, Mark, those are collectible. He's like, you have to teach everybody that, you know, it's not so precious. So he, he always found a way to deface the comic somehow. We had tape heads where you put a piece of tape on the comic and you ran with it with a tape dispenser and see how far you could go. So you have a race. And, you know, it, it, it was just so silly that, you know, those the, the fans just loved, um, you know, hanging out with the people that were behind the scenes, writing mm-hmm. everything they were reading and uh, mm-hmm. playing with them at those Comic-Cons. It was so much fun.
0: Sounds like an exciting time. It. it sounds like I a really it. exciting time. And uh, personally, for, personally, for me, the way your husband affected me um, during the storyline that we're actually going to discuss tonight, which is, of course, the Squadron Supreme um, the character of <clears throat> excuse me see i'm getting choked up even nervous um you're doing great man right, i apologize um now, of course, now I'm blanking out. Uh, Hyperion. Hyperion, I apologize. Hyperion,
3: yeah,
0: yeah um, The w- I know that he didn't uh, originate that character. That was Roy Thomas and Sal Busema, But the way that he wrote the character, that he was just this sort of Superman that was so noble and his intentions were good, but he was flawed. And uh, that's actually going to be, I started uh, a number of years ago, a power tattoo of powered characters meant a lot to me. And Hyperion's going to be my next one this summer. So uh, I just want you to know. That's how he personally affected me as a fan. And uh, I appreciate him and I appreciate you and giving your time to us tonight and uh, giving us all your insights. Thank you so
1: much.
3: Well, you know, I was, a, 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 I was his wife and um, I was his partner you know in anything he wanted to do but he was the locomotive i was merely the tracks you know i couldn't i i i had to facilitate there was just no way that i couldn't and he was he was just so much freaking fun i mean god the guy was so fun he, his his mind was um uh, just uh, always going and always, and he was funny too, you know he was a comedian at heart so that's mm-hmm. what he liked, he had he had a comedy group, I had a comedy group he had cheap laughs, I had the nerve and you know, we were kind of schooled on that, um, you know National Lampoon kind of hu- humor mm-hmm. and uh, you know the R. Crumb and all the those, those characters all, all shaped our lives so much and he always believed in knowing one being completely um, uh, pure. And, and no one being any one dimension so that the fact that Hyperion had uh, so you know so many um, so many dark moments where he he, he couldn't he, you know he he sometimes didn't match up to how he looked and how he felt on the outside that was mm-hmm. really that's kind of what Marvel's known for too even Captain America mm-hmm. uh, when Mark took it over they were going to cancel that book and he made it relevant he said it was really hard to make a patriot Not such a rah rah kind of guy. So he created uh, a character that was fraught with um, layers of, uh, you know, um, complex dilemmas. And Mm -hmm. I think that is really to his credit because he was like that. You know, he had this free-floating depression. He said he was compelled to write. He had a compulsion to write. And he um, felt like he owed his fans the very best that he could deliver. And he um, he really wrote for the fans. He answered every fan mail, every piece of fan mail that he got. He uh, always, it was comics 24-7. If he wasn't dealing with the fans, he was dealing with the characters. Um, if he wasn't dealing with the people at Marvel who he worked with, When I first started dating him, I went to his apartment. He had photos of everyone he worked with at Marvel framed on his wall in 8 by 10 frames that were exactly the same. And he had uh, uh, three walls of everyone that he worked with at Marvel on his walls in his apartment. Who does that? I mean, most people want to get away from the people they work with at 5 o'clock. It's like, you know, they want to forget forget them. But that was his universe. That was the, the characters that he worked with, that he loved. And, um, you know, he just, he was Mar- Marvel Entertainment Group, Mark Eugene Greenwald, M-E-G. He said, I am Marvel. I have the same initials, and it was just kind of ironic and, uh, you know, a, a, a real display of the fact that he was truly meant to be what he was doing. I mean, he was a fan-turned-pro, but he was destined to be a comic book guy. He, it's all he lived and breathed, and I think it showed. I mean, he he knew that comics were his life, and he it was his... A form of entertainment that he believed in, and, and that was the only form of entertainment he thought that um, was of value to him. So it was uh, it was interesting to watch him operate. really op- operate is what he, it, it, how he worked on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, what a guy, right? Yeah, yeah. What
2: well, can he say to that? And, uh...
3: he, he's really an amazing kind of man and amazing artist, and an amazing contributor to, uh, he said you have to leave the profession better than you found it. And uh, I think that's a great way to operate. You know, I'm trying to do that with the plus-size industry, with the fashion world, and I'm into sustainability now, and you know, save the planet, it, it, you know, whatever, climate change, I, I'm, I'm down for it. And I, I really feel like your profession can really inform, motivate, and inspire others. And um, I, I, I try and take that Legacy very seriously and use what I learned from him in my daily life too with the people I come into contact with.
1: That's amazing. Uh, what have your thoughts and opinions been on um, his um, his you know what, pro, one of his three biggest creations being John Walker? What did you think of the uh, the TV show and how they betrayed his? captain america jackassness
3: (laughs) i I, you know i think they did such a great job because you're not supposed to like this guy i know the hashtag not my cap duh i mean they made him look like the guy from hop you know (laughs) they made him like you you played it so well i mean john walker u.s agent um he took on the role of captain america and just that whole episode where you know the the credits were him, you know, zipping that garment bag, and it was a close-up of the zipper slowly going down. It's like, mm-hmm. what is that zipper? Is that, you know, and it was the garment bag that held the Captain America c- costume, you know, the, the mm-hmm. outfit, the uniform, and it was just so well done. I mean, those moments that, you know, they zero in on that are the emotional moments, I just think they did an amazing Amazing job, and I also think that making Julia um, Dreyfus, Louis Dreyfus, the contessa who has to tell John Walker that he has value, it was kind of ironic because he loved Julia Dreyfus because of Seinfeld, he loved Elaine, he loved that character. And I think it's kind of uh, funny that you know he that she's the one who tells John Walker that he's got value, and uh, it's kind of like uh. Uh, Owen Wilson playing uh, Mark
4: Greenwald
3: in the uh, Time Variance Authority right. I mean I think he'd get a kick that Owen Owen Wilson is
1: playing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah
4: uh, we, we had a couple questions come in first uh, Jeremy Courtney he said Qu- Squadron uh, Supreme we'll be talking about that a little bit later and uh, he asked uh, what do you feel was Mark's greatest contribution to comics uh, um, the fact
3: that he uh Uh, was a continuity cop, that he cared about Uh the continuity of each character about the Marvel Universe. He had all those scenarios in his head. uh, And I think that his greatest achievement was that official handbook of the marvel universe i mean that shows mark at his core you know he loved that nerdy minutia about all the characters and he said i bet the fans are going to love the front back and side and all of the characteristics and everything that makes them you know so interesting and go in depth with it and um i think you know to translate that into what the the greatest work was he did was probably the official handbook um and uh i just say that because it's just been a manual for people to refer to um if you're gonna put that character in something what that character is about and so i say you know his he called himself the the custodian of the marvel universe Didn't he they said, send you one? You said. with the broom where everybody's putting their garbage
1: around. It. Didn't they send you one of those giant new Marvel handbook omnibuses? You said.
3: Oh, my God. Yes. It's a great paperweight. But, you know, I'm doing this um, cosplay runway, so I'm using it kind of as a reference because, you know, if people want to play different characters, we can mm-hmm. just go right to the Marvel Universe handbook and see what some of the characters were that they may want to play. So it's actually coming in handy for me oh. doing this cosplay runway. Um, Cosmoda has an homage to him.
1: And you have the, uh, you still have the artwork I sent you from Vlada for that runway, right? Oh yeah,
3: yeah yeah. We did. Um, I did the cosplay in Orlando on the on the runway, and uh, we used different scenarios in the back uh, uh, as you know different characters were coming out. So we used Maleficent um, and had that as her backdrop.
1: <laughs> which which of the two Vlada pieces?
3: um i think it was the it was the um the the great photo of the, i mean uh illustration of the house castle. castle
1: okay yeah cool. cool do you if you have a video of that if you have video of that please send it to me to, to post about
3: i will i will i um i i have some i have some because we did maleficent in uh a better lighting because it was a little dark on the stage but um uh, I may want to just shoot it again when we're going down to um, <clears throat> to Orlando to do another episode in July.
1: So, cool. yeah, I'm keep using I'm, the uh, the flat
4: of black and white. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Jeremy says, if you need to get rid of the Omnibus, I can take it off your hands. (laughs) I know. You may have to pay for the shipping. (laughs) And uh, he asks, uh, so uh, Jeremy asks, uh, also, how do you feel about depolarizing politics, and do you feel they have a place in comics?
1: Yes.
3: it's kind of inevitable because Marvel is set in reality, it's not Gotham city, it's New York, you know, um, we are in the world. and I just think that there is such a, uh, a weird, uh, you know, the fact that Flag Smasher wasn't, uh, created January 7th, it was created in 1980, you know, the late eighties, um, it really tells you exactly where mark was uh, headed with his thinking about politics and corruption and uh, leaders and their responsibility to the public and their responsibility to the individual you know because the individual mattered more than anything to mark you know that was his that was his his passion uh, and mine was too with the nerve because I thought my comedy group was called The Nerve, and it was The Nerve to be yourself and to have your own individuality, and uh, that we were losing that, uh, you know, and that we were um, becoming uh, too too politicized in terms of um, giving over all our power to the government. I mean, Captain America turned his, uh, you know, uniform over uh, to the government because he didn't like what they were doing, and, you know, he wasn't going to be Cap anymore. He wasn't going to be a yes man. Man, and that allowed U.S. agent and John Walker to step in. But, um, you know, he was fraught with, with uh, the emotions about that all the time. And, you know, I think it was, I mean, what was that, you know, 30 years before? You know, that I did he have a crystal ball? I don't know. Was it, it, I don't think they could have written that story uh, to be more precise. And the fact that they had to go back to a dead guy and get his, um, you know, his uh, take on it uh, was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty show, shows you how relevant and how, you um, know, uh, incredibly uh uh in tune with the the problems of the day that just have exacerbated and become even more so um he was he was pushing the envelope then but it became reality in 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 uh, 2020 it became uh, you know reality in 2021 so that's a great uh point um And I don't think that they could have anyone write it better and more relevant than Mark, uh, you know, did when he was thinking of it in the 80s. Nice.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Jeremy says it was an interesting telling of the future.
3: Exactly, Jeremy. I I don't think he had a crystal ball but I mean he could see where things were going to go you know he was he was always tapped into what the current events were I mean he read the New York Times cover to cover every day so he got a lot of his ideas from the headlines and um, you know I'm thinking you know maybe uh, I mean the Berlin Wall was coming down when, when he was writing Captain America so you know there were things that were um you know, very politicized back then and there were um terrorism. I you know, is the assassination happened, you know, uh this attempt on Reagan. i you know, it's it we're just getting more of what was brewing back then. So he um he really had his finger on the pulse then, but who I'm sad to say that it's you know, it's it has really come and I, I can't believe that, you know, Power Broker, Battlestar, all those people that those characters he created are just so, you know, ama- amazingly uh, relevant to today. It's just uh, incredible. And I, I love that Falcon and the Winter Soldier um you know, I just—I think they did such a great job of it. It just really did. Just really, uh, the the Falcon, the way they—I mean, I watched a lot of the the um, the backstory about how they made him fly and how they filmed it and they oh the CGI. I mean, they didn't have that CGI. I mean, I think when Mark died, maybe Batman and Superman were the only uh, really. Great movies. I mean, that Captain America thing that came out—that was a laugh. Uh, but he would bring home a little snippets of things that fans were working on, saying the CGI is going to and the the special effects are going to be really great very soon. And, you know, I think he was going to he was actually studying to be a script screenwriter. So he used to take me to screenwriting classes with him and uh, we would go to uh, screenwriting. And, you know, that was what he was working towards, um, you know, branching off and becoming part of the movies. uh, And he could see that the movies were going to be the next
1: phase for him to write scripts for. Did Mark see that Captain America movie from 1990, the really bad one?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was so funny because she actually is a clothing designer now, Marla Wynn, who who produced that. And when she met me, I said, I was Captain America's widow. And she said, oh, I produced the Captain America film. And I was like, oh. And she said, yeah, that made me get out of the business. Oh, with those little slappy things on his little helmet with the little wings that were like and that movie's not even so
1: bad. It, that movie's not even so bad it's good it's just so bad
3: <laughs> that's it I mean it's not even Mystery Science Theater 2000 or 3000 or whatever it was you know laughable it's not it's just groanable you know it's just not even it's not even watchable so he was he was very uh, you know we put that under the carpet i didn't really watch it with him he didn't he he didn't have anything good to say about it and he said you know pretty soon cap's gonna you know and he really loved what this one fan sent him for silver surfer so he was on the hover hovercraft it was just really great he said it's going to be very soon that they have um, uh, the, the, the special effects to match the, the comic books. And I just feel like you're in, you're, you're so involved in the comic, um, you know, while you're reading it and to translate it into the movies, you know, it's just, it's it just got, there's, I mean, it sent the, the fan base through the roof. People who never read comic books are seeing movies and, you know, uh, pink, you know, Black Panther. I mean, it has a $200 billion, you know, whatever. There are old black ladies who never read a comic who went to see Black Panther because it was, you know, um, you know, uh, I think Stan did a very, very smart thing in making him one of the richest Marvel characters, one of the smartest, one of the most sophisticated. You know, he was a he was a black man that you could really look up to. Was kind of kind of a, a an amazing um, uh, ability to uh, take the the reality of uh, the business that has evolved to what it is now. It's just it, it's. It, I think that Stan couldn't. I mean, I, when I was I went on. They used to do these things called um, uh, distributors conventions. So they you distributors retreats. So they would take the mom and pop grocery, um, uh, comic shops and take them to, uh, a retreat for a week and they would wine and dine them and pay for them. Uh, and then Stanley would come the last day. Cool. And I got to hang out with Stan during those times. And, you know, the guys were just so enamored with him, but he right back at them, you know, he was so, taken with how they took his ideas he said I just I was just writing stuff as a you know like to to entertain myself and to 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 answer uh, who was it Martin Goodman or whoever when it was Timely Comics or you know I'll write write something to, that that's going to you know rival DC comics so uh, he comes up with the Fantastic Four over the weekend, you know, that's kind of way Stan Lee wrote but to, to see these guys take it and embrace it and become uh, have careers from it that's gotta be such an amazing feeling to go I mean, his career, he got spat on in the 50s and 60s wow. uh, you know, before the comic authority came up with, you know the, the standards and, you know they were, they were considered to skimpy and it was used to k and he got he, he was called in the house of american activities i mean you know he went through the entire uh realm of what somebody could do in their career the highs and lows of their career and for him you know to see it become so revered and so venerated and so popular um, and I think it's modern day mythology, you know, that it really taps into, but, um, uh, you know, uh, he, Mark always said, can you imagine that you would be able to work for and have as your boss, somebody who you revered as a child, um, oh, busting somebody. excuse oh. me, <laughs> of course, the, New York is always going to be New York with the sirens going off and everything, but, mm-hmm. um, He said, you know, and he knew my name, he said, and Stanley knew him and would call him and have, you know, discussions about, you know, uh, deep discussions with stan lee it just tickled him that you know he knew his name he worked for this guy who he was it uh, was his childhood hero i can't even imagine you know how satisfying that must have been for mark you know he just he absolutely adored stan and um stan even said in his tribute you know that mark was uh as integral as the masthead to Marvel and uh, that was very touching you know he he just he absolutely loved and respected Mark uh, to the max and that was so satisfying uh, yeah so um, the, the the whole thing about uh, you know a fan turned pro and having your childhood uh, fantasy become your profession is you know really what Mark was all about too you know that that uh, I saw storyboards he did when he was five years old. I mean, his father was a fan of Marvel and brought him into the, the fray. And uh, really, they, they worked on on books together. They did comic reality. They treated uh, the Marvel universe, the DC universe, like it was Reality and um, it was fictional reality, and uh, he created this magazine called Omniverse, and
4: mm-hmm.
3: it was the magazine of fictional reality. and It and it was the headiest Buckminster Fuller stuff you ever want to read. <laughs> Peter Sanderson wrote for it, Rick Bruning, uh, Jerry Ordway. I mean, they were man, these are comic book scholars, guys. I mean, they treat this like it is, um just you know the, the the most uh uh sacred uh profession i mean at the same time they're so goofy about it it's you know i loved hanging out with these comic book guys i just really i can't i can't tell you they were so clever and so um sardonic and uh, you know serious and silly and, and you know it was just such a pleasure to hang out with those comic book guys because they they knew their stuff but you know they didn't take themselves too seriously and it was you know it was a really um, it was one of the, the best times of my life is um, you know coming back to those, those times and they all loved each other and they all had a, a great time working together and um, creating those books together and Mark used to come up with a you know amazing I mean, keeping creative people on deadlines, oh, my God. And he did that so well. And he just he kept he kept everybody engaged and involved and, uh, in, you know, would would pull ideas and pull people into things and had um, major projects that were happening at the office that everybody had to be part of. And it, just imagine that anarchy of like a national lampoon office or something. That's what Marvel was like when Mark was at the helm, you know, and he and Tom DeFalco He didn't get along with Shooter all that well. He didn't really respect Shooter that much, although Shooter hired him as his first um, uh, assistant editor, Mm -hmm. but he he really resonated with Tom DeFalco. Oh, the, the, those guys uh, as a team talk about good cop bad cop they were amazing together just a, a great team a great team Tom is and Tom would just be such a good sport about you know Mark's teasings and you know they they just got a kick out of each other um and even if mark you know mark was always doing some some amazing thing like you know uh you know putting some a gun outline of a gun in Tom DeFalco's suitcase when he went through TSA. I mean, this is way before 11 and you know he has a he has an aluminum foil gun cutout in his bag, and they pull him over. And Mark had put pocketed in there. That's what he did. He put pocketed things. So he'd put pocket things, and you'd say, "Where the heck did this come from?" So every time we went to a party, he would take a CD that he didn't want, and he'd put it in your collection, and you'd be like. <laughs> Riders that are purple sage? Where did I get this? It's Mark put pocketed it. That's what he called it, put pocketing. It's the opposite <laughs> of put
1: pocketing. Is, is that all going to be in the book you were talking about that's coming out next year? I, I,
3: yeah, they, uh, I'm going to do something with my uh, my Hoskin and Peter Sanderson are working on it. And I, I want to kind of do the, the life of grew kind of thing through my perspective, because I wasn't a fan. I wasn't his employer, uh, employee, you know, it was my, um, you know, my take on it. And, you know, he, he would bring me along everywhere. And I, you know, I just was part of the Marvel family. So, yeah, I think, you know, all these stories are part of my, um, you know, uh, of my my gems that I that people don't know about, you know, because uh, I I was his wife and he would tell me stuff, you know, and it's like now the world I'm telling the world because <laughs> that's, you know, I think uh, an interesting it was an interesting marriage because I totally supported him because I I know what it's like to be, um, uh, uh, like his kind of creative genius That made him so driven I, I, if he wanted to write I, I needed to entertain myself You know, if he needed to work on something um, I needed to entertain myself I wasn't going to be like Oh, when are you going to hang out with me And stop that silly comic book stuff I never, ever said that I was just, you know, I had my own life I had my own passions that I was working on And I, you know, you don't Don't stand in the way of somebody like that who is. Um, you know, really following his inner voice and uh, doing something so great for the fans and giving giving them such joy and pleasure and I could go to the Comic Cons and I'd see lines, you know, waiting for him to sign books and autographs and I was, you know, I was amazed at, um, you know, how he he tampered that fame and celebrity status with his, um, his ability to just, you know, stay very humble and stay um driven and uh always questing for the next big thing in comics that he wanted to create and he taught the um other editors he taught a monday morning class every week on assistant editors class on how to write comics wow and some of the people working today are products of that class nobody told him to do that he wrote a manual on how to write comics and uh in he um you know he uh, they uh, some of the best uh editors and people today are working in that um and in the field because of mark's influence and you know he 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 taught a class. I mean, that's what his dad did. You know, he was a teacher. So Mark was a natural born teacher and, um, you know, he wanted to pass the baton on. And, uh, especially with women. I mean, he encouraged Ann the Barbara Slate, uh, you know, uh, Trina Robbins, all those people who are women, um, who were in comics. He said there weren't enough women writing in comics and he wanted to be, um, uh inspirational to them and you know to find a way for uh, women to relate to it because there are there a lot of guy fans not too many women fans in those days um, now it's really it's really gotten gotten uh, so that there are many as many female fans uh, and uh, you know but he wanted to encourage women in the profession and who are going to read it and who are going to be fans uh, to you uh, you know, find a place and find their voice and be heard and not just some fluffy little character uh, that was created by some comic book you know, guy who was a pencil, you know, a breast obsessed pencil, pencil pusher. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>.
4: <laughs> uh, Thomas uh, D'Onofrio says, I love Catherine and all her stories.
3: Oh, Tommaso! I love you, Tommaso. Tommaso is another fan of Mark, um, and he and I produced the tribute for Mark uh, in the 20th year tribute. And Tommaso uh, is just uh, my—he's—he's uh, he's kind of Mark, uh, is Mark's alter ego, and he's able to make activations and. Uh, you know, moments in the tribute come to life that were just something that I wanted to do, he made them happen. You know, it's like he was my facilitator. So Tommaso is... um, you know and that's what i love about mark's legacy is is that i am now friends with all of his fans i wrote this article for um back, uh, back um issue uh for michael yuri and it was called uh, uh grew the influencer leaving an indelible mark and i was able to write something like that because i had direct contact with his fans um the fact that dan hort is producing the cosplay thing with me Dan Tenderish I go to his fifth grade class and I dress up like uh this is Captain America I have a skirt that's all all um t-shirts that's made from one of my designers made all these t-shirts into a skirt and you know I asked the class how many shields am i wearing so they i have 15 shields on each one of my shoes and so i think it's like 75 shields are on this outfit so I think yeah. you know the the fifth graders are just so uh, so amazing with uh, mm-hmm. you know how and he has a comic-con a mini comic-con that he does and gets the kids into doing stories and uh, illustrating and you know he's just such a he's just such a a, a great fan and mm-hmm. um, a wonderful friend now you know i just I, I love the fact that mark left this legacy of people who uh inform me inspire me promote and encourage my ideas
4: That's simply amazing uh, i i know we are running a little on time uh drew chris or uh, joker did you guys have any uh questions for uh catherine before we uh... I,
2: I could listen to her stories all day uh, catherine,
1: wasn't there a character you said that mark um based on you
3: free spirit free spirit uh oh, was kind of the female captain America kind of character that uh he created uh in 1992 or three
1: and right. uh, that was during the, uh, armor that was when he was like uh that was the later after in like the 400s when he was a uh, wolf cap and armor cap <laughs>
3: yeah. Cap wolf and yeah he was doing the mashup thing <laughs> Free Spirit was a character that was a combination of me and my niece, Kathy Webster. But
2: nice. I have so many questions I can ask, but I but I'm like, no, we should only ask one. But I'm like, but I have three, but I'm one. Uh, <laughs> down, Drew, come on. <laughs> this is so hard, you know, because I'm just like, that's I I think uh, Leo, I was like gonna message you. I was like, I think this is the quietest I've ever been on one of our shows. Because I'm just like listening. And I feel all three of you here can be like, Yeah, you're you're chatty. And I'm just like, nope, I am shutting up. She oh, talks. Yeah. I listen. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: hail, to, he,
2: hail to the queen, baby, you know?
1: Exactly. Um, mentioned Jim Shooter not being his favorite person to work with. Was Mark was uh, Mike Carlin his favorite person to work with?
3: Definitely. He and Mike were I mean they were in cheap laughs, but you know, I, M- Mike uh, has a way of saying I was Mark's best friend, but I don't know if I was Mark's. So wow. I Yeah, because he he, yeah, he he just uh he just <laughs> loved and adored um mark and Mm -hmm. i and mark was able to take a lot like jack morelli he was like a a dock worker uh you know and take him and you know give him guidance and create a career and you know like give some somebody training that's why he really did die of a broken heart because marvel was going through such bankruptcy and he had to fire 25 of his friends the the same people that were on his wall in his apartment Framed on his wall, he had to fire them. And I watched him just. You know, worry. They would come to our house, and he said, "I don't know how they're going to pay their tuition, and I don't know how they're going to pay their mortgage." He cared so deeply about all the people he worked with, and uh, you really can love your job too much, though. You know, um, there's no way to tell him not to do that. And I used to say, "Mark, you know, this is it's out of your control, and don't try and get them work because you're going to get in trouble." And you know, it just—I mean. Uh, Ron Perlman um you know that whole Revlon group all that they were bringing you know friends of his in for you know, $2 million parachute. They put Dick Rogers in, who created a colored M&M's campaign for Mars Candy. He never even read a comic. He brought him in as an advisor. You know, those are the kind of people that Ron Perlman was bringing in mm-hmm. and um, not contributing anything. And, you know, Mark was like, um, and then tell Mark to work on morale. You know, mean Ike Perlmutter? And, and Ron Perlman. He was the president
1: of Revlon, and he bought uh, Marvel, and he no, was the corporate leader. Isn't it Ike Perlmutter? No. The guy who still owns Marvel today? The guy that was Donald Trump's secret shadow best friend?
3: No, but it was Ronald O. Perlman, who was president of Revlon, and Revlon was owned by Marvel in those days. Marvel was owned by Revlon in those days. Nice. So um it was Ronald Ronald Perlman and um uh, you know he uh uh he's out of it. I mean, he sold a you know, he, he picked the bones clean. He was a corporator type and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he knows what he did. I'm not, I'm not carrying tales outside of school or anything, but, um, yeah. And, you know, Jim Shooter was, uh, instrumental. I think, you know, he was an interesting character. Um, and I don't think that he got the kind of respect that, um, that, uh, you know, he he wanted because he he was he was a little bit of a of a poser and you know he would he was one of those that would wait for everybody else to laugh and then he would laugh kind of types because uh, he really didn't kind of wasn't tuned into their humor at all so um you know there's a, a there's a lot of backstory. Um, like he, he would hover over Mark. He would come over and hover over him. You don't hover over Mark. He, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows his work. He knows what mm-hmm. deadlines are due. And, yeah. and, 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 and J- shooter would breathe down his neck. So Mark's retaliation was to create his desk up against the wall with on a platform. And so everybody had to walk across <laughs> the, the room to get to his desk, but you couldn't stand behind him. And nobody knew where that came from but that's exactly why because he didn't want shooter hovering over him and breathing down his neck nobody knows that except me
2: (laughs) secrets out (laughs)
3: secrets out
2: I I, I did have two questions because I was the entire time you've been talking which has been fascinating uh, seriously I was just like what what do I ask because Rich you asked a great question Chris I mean everything you ask is a good question and Leo you're doing your good job <laughs> um you know, um, but for me, uh I knew very little of, of Mark, I have to admit. So naturally I did my research and it was so funny because when I was reading that he has that recollection of trivial details and Ooh. and things, that's the the same thing my friends always say to me. And especially it was so funny because I own a, a cap replica shield that yeah. a friend of mine made that just one day was like, Hey, do you want this? And I'm like I feel like I can't say no, and then that, that is it. That,
3: real vibranium?
2: What, yeah, exactly. No, no, I didn't. no. It's a sled. I used it uh, last winter. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you 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 don't you haven't lived until you've gone down a hill and then you pick up the sled and be like that cap shield. I'm like, yep, found in the ice um but so you I threw two, that
3: mighty shield
2: yeah i did uh, you know good old good old rusty here you know doing great um so i had two questions so first one is um i didn't know this but apparently when when mark passed that he was such a practical joker that people didn't believe he had really uh, Died, and 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 they said something like days before he was doing like cartwheels in the office. And you've talked about how he's a humor. I mean, I'm never gonna look at packing the suitcase the same now because I'm like, someone's gonna (laughs) put an aluminum gun. (laughs) uh, The gallows
3: humor, yes, the gallows humor,
2: the gallows humor. So, so the first question is, what was in your mind the most memorable prank that he pulled? Uh, And yeah, so that that's one, and then um the the second question would be because i love like, i've loved hearing your stories like they've been fa- fantastic what is one of the best like following mark doing the con circuits being in these marvel retreats and stuff what's the best one of your best stories that we don't know that's kind of like what's the te- like give us a little teaser of this book that you're working on so that's like, yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, um, the first, pr- the the best prank he ever pulled on me was the morning he died. I went and opened the will and it said I wanted to be cremated and my ashes put into a comic book. And I was like, oh, that's right. I remember reading our wills at, at our attorney's and I was like, yeah, I'm never going to have to do that. You can leave that <laughs> in there. Three years later, I'm, I'm like calling Marvel saying we've got to put his ashes into a comic book. And they were like, okay. So we went up to Elliot Brown and I drove up to Connecticut because Mm -hmm. guess what? The, the, the printing um, press was uh, the the factory was up in Connecticut. It wasn't in China. Uh, So I took the ashes up there and I found a pressman who wasn't weirded out by it. And I, I, put like three or four scoops of glue in there and stirred it up and you know you have to make sure that it was in the ink so it wasn't too Mm -hmm. goopy um and then we put it into the ink that printed the books um Mm. and what they did first was the christy shield um uh the marvel universe poster so he's actually in a poster and squadron supreme so a lot of people don't know that but Mm -hmm. i put him in a poster first and then marvel was like we got to do the book and i said yeah because he threw himself into his work you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they did squadron supreme and that was his best-selling graphic novel I, they, I only was able to put like enough uh, ashes in there for 5000 books. So that book today is like $2,995. So wow. it's, it, it, you know, because it's so rare. Mm -hmm. And Alex Ross did the cover. He gave me the original painting he wrote to Catherine. You know, it was just so touching that Alex Ross gave me the cover, the original artwork of Squadron Supreme. And um, so that's like one of the biggest pranks that he ever pulled on me posthumously. And uh, Marvel and I conspired to make that happen. And uh, now I created this thing because it's illegal to put any ashes into um, a comic book because people started getting goofy with it and putting, you know, blood and things like that into comic books. Um, and now it's illegal. So I created a thing called the Ashograph. So the Ashograph mm-hmm. is me mixing his ink and ashes and stamping a commemorative piece that his nephew drew that says in his mind he ran with the superheroes. In his life he showed us what a hero, superhero could be. And mm-hmm. I stamped that and then uh, there's a Jim Lee poster that they put out for his tribute. So it's kind of a, a set so um mm-hmm. but you know fans like to uh have me stamp different things and you know what he likes best those old comics cuz it's ink it's porous and you can stamp it and the ink sinks down into that you know birdcage liner kind of paper mm-hmm. and the ashes rise up and then you just fix you spray a fixative on there so uh You know, he loves he loves the old comics best. And that's that's so ironic because that's exactly what he uh, really loved. All those Golden Age comics. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, what was the second question?
2: The second question (laughs) was if you could share with us another like like one of your favorite stories, you know, traveling with Mark, you know, going to retreats, the cons, just being around, you know, Marvel people and fans and whatnot. What's one of your the one of your best stories that we haven't heard tonight?
3: Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, you know, when we went to the comic cons, it was great to to be with the fans. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, one time this, this fan actually brought him a stack of his, of every book he had written and wanted him to sign it. So he sat there and he autographed hundreds of comic books and yeah. he was going to, you know, he was going to match that, uh, mm. you know, one-on-one with, the, with that fan. Um, the other story that I really love is Scott Scott Tipton's story about um, how uh, he wrote to Mark about how the arrows on Hawkman's uh, 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 bow and arrow archery set were not sharp enough, weren't barbed enough. So he said, I'm, I'm going to call this this kid. And so he called him and he, uh, you know, wanted to know exactly what what his complaint was. And can you imagine Mark Grunewald calling you and uh, asking you about the fan letter you wrote of uh, complaining, Scott? to this day, he has it in his Comics 101 book, and he and they became very good friends too. Mm-hmm. they always would talk, joke about that um, and, and, you know, they're just they're just so many times where uh, mm-hmm. there are just so many great stories of, like, you know, I saw him with his, you know at, at those comic book conventions and just putting his heart and soul into everything, and then, you know, the, the people around him, he never ever um, stopped himself with ideas, good, bad, or the ugly, so he would just spew out all these ideas, and everyone would laugh and groan. And I thought that was so amazing that he would put himself up for ridicule like that with his, you know, fellow workers, you know, his 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 uh, office mates, and you know, it just shows you that out of, um, out of 10 bad ideas, a good one will come. So you have to always not stop yourself and, you know, keep those ideas flowing, whether it's, you know, good or bad or whatever, just do it and, um, and seek the counsel of other people who you respect. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you guys, nobody knows where those, everybody was all into the bullpen and so-and-so was doing the, the letters or, and so-and-so was doing the, the inking. And then the next time they were doing, you know, the coloring and the next time, some so they always changed persona. And I think that bullpen just taught me so much about um, how to, um, how to work with your fellow workers and how to inspire them and, um, you know, be your own, be your own example of uh, what creativity means. Cause he, used to have a little kanji sign and it was chaos. And he said, out of chaos comes creativity. So, um, you have to start with this. I don't know what I'm doing moment. And then it just evolves and allow it to evolve. So you don't have to have it all figured out. It's progress, not perfection. And, um, I've just learned so much about how to take my, my career one step at a time and to really take, um, ideas from everyone. And I really want to be the person I wish I had met when I first moved to New York because of Mark, because I see what he did for so many people's careers and how he encouraged them. So, um, that that just is a general point on my part to to what I, what is the takeaway from being married to him is, uh-huh. you know, I'm his legacy advocate. But every single day I'm uh, just amazed at um, how I almost, you know, run it through the mark filter, you know, and I am Mrs. Captain America, so I have to do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's integrity, integrity, integrity. <laughs> Uh, so, Jerry the Warrior has the
2: American Marks in a comment. Oh, this is, I mean, awesome. are, is, is this yeah. the end? I feel like we clap. Like, do we just clap? <laughs> yes. This like, yes. was great. Yeah, just.
3: Why are you even clapping? Not holding the phone. <laughs> you
2: know,
3: Thank right. you, guys. Thank you Thank for you. for putting up with me being on the New York streets.
1: Holy up. I tell you about the. Um, the progress of the project that you're aware of in, uh, in the, in the coming weeks when I'm done with the, uh, audio that I have going on right now.
3: Awesome. You guys, you crank it out. And I, I so admire how everyone uses this. I, I just think that Mark's Mark's remarks was an early blog. I mean, his, uh, fictional, uh, reality was his, you know, uh, In print on demand, kind of thing. So he was very, and he always had the videotape going on in the office. You know, he always, he always, uh, you know, documented and believed in. Just, you know, he said he couldn't imagine not having a significant life. So he documented everything. I have all of his calendars that he wrote in every day from 1978 to 1996. So um, I told Chris, and Chris, you inspired me to translate those. Because I'm doing, um, I'm just going to, because it's really a history of Marvel. Because that day, on that day, this happened. Nobody knows that. Yeah, I I remember you bringing
1: those up in the uh, interview months ago That that, like translate them. People would love to see that stuff. Totally.
3: I know, and it's yeah.
1: it's as geeky as it,
3: as you can imagine,
1: yeah. imagine when we his, calendar uh, every year <laughs> when when the team and I get his episode together i'll I'll contact you for any of the information from those calendars that we can just kind of like fit in at the last minute
3: absolutely, absolutely, yeah, I know, and you inspired me to 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 uh translate that into documents, you know, so I do a little bit uh, you know at a time, and uh it's just uh, amazing how um. Mm-hmm. You know, he, uh, uh, life is a series of moments, you know, and everything that, that happens to you and you write it down and you don't think it matters. And then 10 years from then, it's like, oh, that's what happened that day. You know, some days are more monumental than others, but you do it every day. His his continuity and consistency was astounding. So, um, so yeah, thank you guys for so, so much for, um, you know, being fans of the Gru and, you know, keeping his memory alive and, you know, I think, I don't know, Excelsior, we're just going onward yeah. and upward. <laughs> uh,
4: right. Excelsior. Ka- Catherine, uh, before we let you go, uh, actually, just a quick uh, comment here. Uh, Tom- Tommaso says David Goyer had his uh, fan mail answered uh, Mark in a comic once. Mark was an inspiration to him and he uh, signs off. Love you, cat." And uh, where do you, uh, oh, and he also says, I am grew." Where do you like people interacting mm-hmm. with you on social media?
3: Uh, uh, probably on Instagram. I have uh Shuler cat is my Instagram handle. So S C H U L L E R C A T. Um, and on Facebook, you know, the tribute to Mark Greenwald is is is, is uh, a fan a fan page, a fan a Facebook page. Um, but you know, they can DM me on uh
4: Instagram. Awesome. And I have those links totally. in the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. Uh Catherine, it was an absolute pleasure having you this evening. Seriously. Thank you so Thanks, much.
3: Guys. Thank you. Thanks Bye, so Catherine. much.
4: Have a great <laughs> evening. Uh, yeah. Excelcure.
3: Next Elsie. you are right? Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <To> the <group. laughs> Do the groove. Do
4: the groove. That was simply amazing. She's, she, she's still with us. That's great. Oh Yeah, yeah
3: I am. I'm turning off.
2: <laughs> no, it's fine.
3: Leave it. I want to get out of this. Well, I, can, right.
4: I can you take care can of you from this. End. Yep, yeah, for- I'll take care of it. Uh, and actually, uh, what I'll do is, uh, you know, this show is brought to you by the fine people of Deadly Grounds. Here's a zombie talking about coffee. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly.
3: Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting!
4: Uh, So, Deadly Grounds, head on over to GetDeadly.com. They have a s'mores-flavored coffee right now. Actually, I heard it was sold out. My wife tried to buy it for me. Uh, So, as soon as it comes in, I'm going to be getting some of that. And uh, also, we are talking about (coughs) Squadron Supreme. So, this was published in 1985 through 1986, written by Mark Runewald, art by Bob Hall. Cover price was $1.25. So,
1: Leo, actually, I'm going to be uh, taken off. I can't stick around for the review. I just want okay. to stick around for Catherine.
4: Sounds good. Thank you so much, you Chris. Good you, buddy.
1: Yeah, uh, Catherine will actually be, uh, yeah, the last, the, the one thing I just wanted to add is that Catherine will actually be the narrator voiceover for Mark's uh, episode of the top secret project that I'm working on with her and other people uh coming up in the hopefully not too distant future but i need to get over all this vlada stuff in order to get back to it but yeah she'll be actually the narrator of mark's entire episode of the uh, tv show awesome oh, cool
4: well uh keep yeah. us in the loop and uh you know we'll make sure we share it seriously yeah, that's
1: so far down the road right now but it's it just that's one episode i wanted to get banged out uh right away mm. uh, as well as the trailer just to start uh kind of totally shopping it around or whatever and now will get into more details of what the whole thing is all about uh when i actually have a dedicated team of people i can rely on um, well if good. you need
2: help with anything from us so just let us know
1: i will you know. uh i'll keep it under consideration like i said i want to get over the vlada hump up stuff right now because we got the audiobook uh launching on kickstarter in two days good luck thanks yep. Yep. peace uh, out everyone see you chris
4: here,
2: and then there were three
4: yes okay so I know you love this, Drew. Channeling my inner Sophia. <laughs> uh, picture Sicily, 1985. The Gipper, Ronald Reagan, was president. The Bears beat the Patriots 46 to 10. The name Refrigerator Perry was a household name. Uh, we paid a ticket price of three dollars and fifty five cents to go to see Back to the Future, Goonies, Breakfast Club, and St. Elmo's Fire. On the boob tube, we watched Family Ties, Murder, She Wrote, Cheers, Golden Girls, and Night Court. Oh, my God. Night Court is coming back. You know that? No way. Yeah. Really? Uh, Yeah. Uh, So uh, if you're a kid in 1985, on Saturday morning cartoons, we watched Jim Henson's Muppet Babies, Snorks, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling,
1: Mystic...
4: Mr. T, Super Friends, and Dungeons and & Dragons. Uh, we paid $1.12 a gallon to drive to the record store where we picked up LPs, remember those, for $5.97 and drooled over a newfangled thing called a Sony Walkman. Oh, and Calvin Hobbes debuted in the Sunday Funnies as well. Yes. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> uh, so, on uh, Squadron Supreme, on an Earth much like our own, the world's greatest superhuman champions are confronted by a society in ruins, faced with, with the possibility of a new dark age for mankind. They chose the only course available to them and to take control of the world's governments themselves. Now they have one year in which to completely restructure human society. Can their plan succeed? Will a renegade member bring about their downfall? And what will happen to Earth's mightiest heroes find themselves becoming instead its all-power totalitarian overlords?
2: Totalitarian. Okay. I just want to, Leo, I have a question. Do you narrate things in your life the same way as you do for the show? Because I'm just imagining it. like. Leo may go to the eat breakfast. Is he going to get oatmeal? Is it going to have a grapefruit? Is it going to be eggs? Are they scrambled over easy? Will he decide to get McDonald's breakfast? Who knows? Tune in for Tuesday morning.
4: <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I plead the fifth on that. <laughs> <laughs> like the soup. It's like the super friends announcer. Meanwhile,
2: at Leo Pond's house.
4: You know what? It's, yes, I do hear that in my head quite often. <laughs> you got that transition going, you know?
2: I, I just said, Meanwhile, at the Velvet Joker's house, there is laughter abound.
4: <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That, that you know is. What,
2: you know, one time I actually was sick and my voice was super thick. And I, uh, on my lunch break, this is when I was a substitute teacher, I just was sending voice recordings to people I knew in cosplay and I would just do that and I got such reactions and especially my one friend who cosplays as B Arthur I said meanwhile in B Arthur's house <laughs> he sent me a recording <laughs> like someone's gonna get you for that one oh, I'm wow. just like I'm bored I, only, I get an hour and I'm bored I only need 15 minutes
4: oh that is so awesome yeah <laughs> keep, keep going keep going <laughs> no that, that was it that was it that was it
2: uh, <laughs> All right, go, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, supreme it.
4: Yeah. So, uh, you know, this was a crazy story, you know, it, yeah. it, it's, um, what I love about this and, and I, I know you guys will, will definitely be uh, a lot more intellectual than I am on this, but, you know, having the uh-huh. heroes start out, you know, so pure and then to see their defects kind of like warp everything, and it's that ultimate slippery slope where, you know, just one thing leads to the other leads to the other. And ultimately, you know, it's, you live long enough to see yourself become the bad, bad guy. You know, it was, uh, what, what was that? What's that? What's that? No, no, no. You, just, you, just,
2: uh, you, you had to go the dark night. Car, yeah. Dent, But that's fine. That's fine. That's an easy analogy. <laughs> um, I have so many thoughts, but Rich, since you're about to get Hyperion symbol tattooed yeah. on you, maybe you want to go first.
0: <sighs> All right. So, yeah, the, I, you come into the beginning of the storyline, and you know they sort of do a little uh, flashbacks, if you will, and about how everything just sort of fell apart, and the country is just in sad, sad shape. Like... Everything's a mess. People are going hungry. There's job issues. There's money issues. Um,
2: 2021? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like every until now. Here, a
0: little foreteller yeah. for the future. But then, back then um and they have this idea they're like all right if everything's falling apart maybe maybe we can come up with ideas to you know solve hunger solve crime Mm -hmm. uh solve deaths uh cure cure incurable diseases i mean it's a it's it's a lofty lofty um goals to try to achieve that is for sure Mm -hmm. and uh just one at a time um they just start peeling off i I mean i think the archer might have been the uh no, maybe Nuke. Nuke of the Archer was kind of coinciding time wise where things started to fall apart.
2: Yeah, it's it's it one or two of those. I think it was more Nuke probably because the Archer, well, the Golden Archer stuff didn't start falling apart till later in the series. Okay,
4: all right. Yeah, well, I, 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 don't, I don't
2: know. I only read it once.
4: Yeah. Uh, well, right. well, there was one character that le- I mean, Nuke. Spoiler died, but there was a uh, uh, was it Archer that left. Said, you know, I see you uh-huh. guys going. Willingly, down. yeah, I, I see you guys going down a bad path, and you know, it's, no, you
2: that know. was Nighthawk. Night, yes, no. yes, yeah, Nighthawk,
4: because he was just like,
2: this is bullshit. Like, but it, 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 uh, I guess to to segue, and then Richie, I guess you can pick up where I leave off. I just <laughs> think that the the thing that I loved about this is wow. how honest it really was. Like, this is it's like I feel like you could easily use this. As an example of how to talk about serious human story without being preachy or tacky, you know, this was essentially proof that that utopia will never be possible because human beings are involved. We are flawed. We can't handle perfection. We always gunk it up. You know, because the more we do to accomplish it, the more we end up sacrificing of ourselves, you know, and you saw that and that's what you know, and and you see all of that. And, you know, in the end. All they tried to do was for the betterment of mankind, but they ended up dooming it. You know, these heroes ended up becoming the villains. And you had uh, Nighthawk. You had, uh, was it Aquarius, right? Aquarius? Amphibian. Uh, Thank you, Amphibian. Amphibian, you know, they're like, guys, we're telling you this the whole time, you know, but everything is up to a vote, you know, and whoever uh, majority votes. So there's always going to be flaws. There's always going to be ways to work around people who are warning. I mean, come on. Before you, uh, in the past, people thought climate change was a myth. They're like, ah, it's just something the hippies are making up to to, to fuck with us. Yeah, it's not real. And here we are. Um, I just think it was such an honest, real story. The characters, you know, it didn't feel like they were trying to score points with demographics. You know, this wasn't, oh, hey, here's a 12 12 issue story that we can uh, stretch to 48 issues. Or that we can try to condense into one issue and lose the, the heart in the story. It was a real story. And what's also great is that this is essentially, like, this is Marvel's Justice League. But it's done in a way where it's an homage, but they're their own characters. Like, every time I was reading them, I was like, wow, that is so Hal Jordan. That is so Superman. That's very uh, Flash, uh, Green Lantern, um, Uh, Batman, Aquaman, you know, but they're their own characters. Like, hell, even Golder Archer and Lady Lark. I was like, this is clearly Green Arrow and Black Canary. And then Grenwall just took it to another level. And, you know, in the beginning, it was a little hard for me to get into, but then I swear, like, the second I started getting in the groove, I was like, I was on uh, issue six before I knew it, and I was like, whoa, like, that's awesome, you know? Because sometimes it's like, okay, how many more issues do I got to go? All right, fine. So honestly, this was such a wonderful introduction to Mark's work for me. Uh, and yeah, it was great. So that's that's my thoughts. It, it was an interesting
0: balance of because there was a fair amount of like a love uh, soap opera mm-hmm. action and intrigue and betrayal. It's like it's like you had every ingredients to like a fun story.
2: Absolutely. Well, Leo. What do you think?
4: Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And, you know, reading this, you know, I kept on thinking, you know, as well, you know, this is the Justice League, you know, it's and then doing the research on Mark Grunewald, finding out that, you know, like you said, this was an homage to the Justice League and his love for, you know, uh, uh, DC uh, prompted a lot of characters in here. And, you know, you did get, you know, some characters hooking up and stuff, but, you know, What I really enjoyed is when they, not just when they battled, but when they battled for a reason. It's not like, Mm -hmm. oh, you called me a name, we're going to fight, 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 fight. It's just like, holy crap, you you know, what you're doing is immoral, and I'm going to stand up against that. You know, it's just not fighting for no reason whatsoever. And uh, just the the story and, and the character arcs, it's just... Very well written. Mark did a fantastic job on it, but it's, it's, it's real, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's these superheroes, but with real problems. And, you know, you you
1: can,
2: you can understand why these guys are still in the Marvel universe. If this is one of the earliest stories to kind of lay down the groundwork. And we know that there have been different variations of squadron Supreme. Yeah.
0: Well, even uh,
2: since this
0: initially they were in Avengers I want to say it's either 57 or 69 right uh, but they were called the Squadron Sinister
1: yes but that uh-huh. was
0: apparently from a different universe right um, so mm-hmm. this is the first, I guess, hero version of this. And so, really? flesh, it was, you know, it was a lot of characters. Uh, Tom Thumb was a, a very interesting and complex character. You know, he's a genius, but uh, he always felt slighted by the uh, rest of the crew. Well, uh, they, they,
4: they always called him yeah. names and everything too. It's just, yeah. I yeah.
2: mean, I mean, you had the whole nuke thing, you know, he was put in an impossible situation. It's like, I can save your parents, but. I would have to betray Hyperion in order to do it. So it's like your parents will, will live, but but the world's Superman could die. Yeah. And I can't do it. And then Nuke just freaking loses it. He snaps. And then essentially Power Prism has to kill him. And and it's just like again, like we've seen members of the Justice League kill people. Like that's not crazy. I mean, come on, you know. Wonder Woman snapping Maxwell Lord's head like a, like a, like a, like a, like, come on. That was wonderfully graphic, you know, and it's still so shocking. Like, I still think about that, you know, but this, I just think this story is very, like, like you, Leo, you point out, I think this haunts you because it's so real. This is right. to me the same way I felt when I watched Chronicle. Do you guys remember that 2012 documentary movie about the teenage kids? who find an alien ship and then they get superpowers and then they do the whole thing. Like, Oh, we're going to goof off. Let's have some fun. Let's fuck with people. And then it gets dark. One of them goes bad. The other one dies and the other one's got to fight the one who's going evil to me. I was like, wow, this is because people always talk like, Oh, if we had superpowers, we would do this. We would do that. Let's just be real here. We've talked about this in the past. If people had superpowers, it would really be more either like this or the boys. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Um, and uh, with with
0: talking about how both of you guys are toward the reality and with drew you to bring it up nuke um when Dr. Spectrum did end up killing him, uh, I mean he felt horrible about it because he did not intend to kill him um mm-hmm. and until almost the end of the comic book, he swore off violence, yeah totally uh,
4: and and uh another thing on nuke is uh it is pure projection you know it, it's when he's having that conversation with Thumb, you know uh uh it's not my fault my my parents died it's your fault because you won't save them even though they're dying of cancer and he gave them the cancer you know cuz mm-hmm. you yeah uh and, and the cure that was crazy you yeah. know how uh when he finally finds it and it's just it's just penicillin because uh future humans are so evolved that that's that's basically all they need to live forever
2: and i think one of the scariest ones for me was the 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 behavior modification thing oh that was so fucked up yeah on lady lark because again like you think it's so funny because like i saw this and i thought of other comics that have referenced similar things like when you're talking about behavioral modification for criminals, I thought identity crisis when you know the Justice League did that thing where they put the whammy on criminals to forget their secret identities or when they behavior modified uh, Dr. Light after what he did to Sue Dibney. I'm not going to say it out loud because it still haunts me um i know we have our our 18 mature rating, but some things don't need to be repeated out loud need to be read um i thought about this i was like it's the same kind of warning because oh man it's one thing if it's criminals but this woman doesn't love me i'm having a bad day i'm gonna dump her in the paper model i'm gonna make her love me <laughs> oh this is a little much can i fix her again no nope, no it's permanent i'm like damn it this was horrible Like i just i heard like Job from Arrested Development when he realized he can't fix or just I made a huge mistake and I'm just like and, it, it, and and I was just like god damn like it was this is a heavy one like you know they, like it, it I don't know about you guys like Rich I feel like you probably agree with me but same with Leo like it took me a minute I had to like sit down and process certain issues for like 10 minutes I was like wow that was fucked up it's a violation on multiple levels Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, it wasn't even that. It's just like, like, cause again, I feel like comics now, I feel like certain comics are really for popcorn value. It's, it's entertainment. You know, it's, it's very, it's just get to the next month. You know what I mean? And then there's some stories that really, that that hit you. You really think about You really connect with, you know, I'm not saying every story needs to be Watchmen, you know, cause God knows they tried. Um, but it's just sometimes nice when you have that story and it's just so real, you connect with it and it shocks you how much it, it resonates with you, mm-hmm. you know, like years later, you could just be sitting down and you'll think about that scene and you'll still feel that same awe or suspense or revulsion. And I just feel like I don't, A lot of times in modern comics, I don't get that as much. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I agree with you. Um, I mean, I'm not reading a lot of super
0: current stuff, Mm -hmm. but um, like, like I read this, like, imagine all that emotion that you were just describing, Drew. Yeah, I was reading this at like 14 or 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a lot for that mind. And I got to say it held up strongly. And I think I appreciate it more now than I did as I did as a kid. Oh, totally.
4: Um. I would say I, I think you're onto something because uh, on the recent comics that I have read, you know, except for DC, but definitely on the Marvel side, uh, you know, a lot of that emotion and uh, sort of like the, the drama it seems to mm-hmm. be uh, taken out of it. You know, and we've said this, before, I've said this before in the past where like the classic comics, like from the 80s and, and 90s, there's definitely a lot more like relationship drama and, and you know, a lot grander story. And it just mm-hmm. it seems like that's definitely missing nowadays.
2: Yeah, I think it's because we're just oversaturated with so much interconnectivity and everything is, oh, here's who fighting who, oh, what's happening now, who broke out, who has the infinity gauntlet. Oh my God, yeah. Dark Side's back! I'm like, oh my God, guys. Well, it's like, like I, I, it's too much.
4: Well, like uh, I tried reading the new King and Black. Have you guys read that? Oh yeah. Uh, no. I didn't realize. I, I was just reading the main issues. I, I'm like halfway through it, but it's just I didn't realize there's like a ton of crossovers for that.
2: Oh God, yeah, it's like on an X Men level of crossovers. Yeah. Like, and it's it's just so crazy because it's like, for instance. Like, again, going back, like, let's say, like, for instance, you reread Infinity Gauntlet, right? Yeah, And it's still great. Like, it is so freaking dated in a lot of what it references, but it's still a a fantastic story that still holds up. And I feel like certain stories now, they just still don't, they don't have that that gravita, uh, that longevity. You know what I mean? It was, uh, I don't want to say it's filler because... Again, these people work hard. These writers and artists and inkers and letterers, these guys bust their butt because not just his job, a lot of them love comics, you know? So, but at the same time, like, I, I'm not expecting like, you know, Pulitzer Prize award winning comics because comics are fantasy, there's entertainment, you know? But sometimes, like, it just helps if you just write a good story. Not to impress anybody, you just write it because that's the story you want to hear. If you want to write something that, like I always say, like if you're gonna write something, what's the kind of story that you would read? That you would pick up and be like, "Wow, this is a dope story. I'm gonna add this to my stack." You know? And uh, I don't know. It's just like this. I would totally recommend this to somebody as uh, a nice kind of like get a feel for comics kind of deal. Like if you want to read something that's not
4: really connected to anything but familiar
2: read squadron supreme
4: yeah uh just uh real quick uh you know going through this and it could just be my mind going crazy but do you think they they purposely drew archer to look uh like grunewald or am i just seeing something that's not there could Uh, be could you
2: know that could be
4: okay you know and speaking
2: of i honestly had no idea how much of a a legacy he has behind in comics. Like there are so many, like I wrote them down actually. Hold on, let me find my pad. Like I was going to ask Catherine about it, but again, like when she just started talking, I was like, I'm shutting up. Like I got nothing to say. Like you talk woman. (laughs) Um, Like I didn't realize one, I didn't know about the TVA thing. Yeah. You know? So now, and I completely spaced on me that Owen Wilson is basically Grunwald, And I'm like, yo, that is the best Um, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Owen Wilson in getting prepared for the role basically got like the crash course of the MCU slash Marvel taught to him by Tom Hiddleston. So I was like the Marvel world, according to Loki, I was like, (laughs) I would watch that show. So so I would
4: so watch that. So back Um, to while you uh, bring up your notes, uh, just thinking Got it. Oh, okay, <laughs> but keep going. Sorry, no, keep I, going. Keep no, going. I, I was just gonna say, if you think of it, you know, back to back MCU series is Grunwald because mm-hmm. we're going from US Agent, uh, which he created, to the TVA, right. which is going to be in Loki. Exactly,
2: and then first things we we're speaking of that because uh, we've seen a lot of other Grunwald characters because he helped co-create Crossbones, who we last saw in um, Civil War. Yep. Right. Well, technically, in a flashback, you want to count Endgame, but we're not going to go there. Um, we already talked about the USA agent. He also created Diamondback, which I was like, oh, snap, that's awesome. And his goal was, apparently... um, yeah, you know, Cap dated her. And I think that might have been the first time a hero dated a villain. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, and it was crazy because apparently his goal was he wanted to create villains that were specific to Cap. Instead of just your generic villain of the week, kind of like you know, uh, like a certain speedster of a Scarlet persuasion. Again, I always want to point out because I feel like I cast a lot of shade against the, sh- the Flash. I really did love the show. I was a fan. I just don't really like it now. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to reiterate that to all of our fans here. I have met stars of the Flash. I used to love the show. I just think it's kind of. We need to kind of stop. You know. The story will go on.
4: Yeah. Well, just, I I think right? they're going to have to stop because two main characters left. I believe. Cap,
2: right, Kavanaugh and um, Tom Kavanaugh and, Car- and uh, Carlos Valdez. Yep. They're they're both leaving, and they've been there since the beginning. Yeah. So you're we, losing Harrison Wells. I'm sorry, I don't know the actors' names. Uh, Cisco and Wells. Uh, yeah. I thought Cisco was supposed to leave like two seasons ago. Yeah, but he he, he come you know they come back. So yeah. okay. so, so who's yeah, going to say he,
4: run Barry run. <laughs>
2: I, I st- I'm done with you. Nobody so, anymore. Nobody. We're like, stop,
4: Barry. Stop. Take
2: <laughs> we'll take a break. Although I will say this, sit though, down, Barry. Sit. I, I'll say this, and I'm sure you, we guys will have talked this about this Wednesday. Yeah, that impulse suit does look great, though. Like it's a little too late in my mind, but I'm like, ah, that was a great looking uh, costume. Um. So in terms of longevity or legacy, actually, um, there was books dedicated to him in the DC universe. There is a Von Grundenwald Tower. Yeah, Um, which is funny because he only did limited DC work. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. Um, There was a Captain America novel, uh, I think written by Tony Isabella, um, where there's a lawyer that's kidnapped to also defend and kidnap Captain America in a mock trial before militia. That's basically Grunwald in Richard Starkings Elephant Men. Ah, uh, the executive director of the info agency is appearance, and everything is Grunwald. Who was his friend? So it's based on that. Uh, volume four of Nova, the new director of Project Pegasus, was Dr. Grunwald, and that's important because that uh, in Quasar. That's how Quasar started, or at least in the beginning. He was a Shield agent, and then he started work with Project Pegasus at one point. So it's all connected. And he wrote sixty issues of Quasar back in the day. Like, and he, yep, yeah, the, the 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 mega bands. And he was apparently, and it's and it's funny because I would have asked Catherine about it, but we ran out of time. Um, he was so loyal to writing his characters, like he wrote sixty plus issues of Quasar, almost all except one. And when he was removed from Spider Woman after 12 issues, he was like, I'm crushed. So you got to love the loyalty. I mean, you can tell with the Quad Supreme, like he really loved his characters because he clearly invested in them so much, you know, and I feel I feel like there's a lot. I feel like certain Marvel writers really could learn from that in a certain way, because yeah, they're company products, but they're still you're still writing them. So their voice is is yours to control you know and uh i think sometimes the best versions of characters are usually ones that have that distinction versus here we go it's another batman story oh the joker got out he killed some people we're going to punch him and beat him and punch him and send him back to arkham no offense rich <laughs> no offense hey 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 <laughs>
0: when we get to the, a certain story on my list on my 5 mm-hmm. it's a very great story
2: okay listen buddy i i believe you okay we all we all showed our 5 We all showed our thick comic files. I, you know, I phrasing, Um, you know, but everybody's, listen, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading yours and Leo's and whatever the hell I put up, you know, I don't remember. It was like two days ago. That's like a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. We Um, all whipped it out on the table, you know. You know what? You know, listen, don't follow my example, Rich. Don't, don't, don't be me. You're better than this. I I know, that's the joke. (laughs) that's the joke but um can we just again talk about how great that interview was like yeah. i i think that just had such a profound effect just hearing the philosophies like i honestly feel like i'm i got some new mantras to follow now like how do you how do you guys feel like i yeah, yeah. I, I totally had a vision
0: like she's living in the village having a great life bouncing all over the place doing fashion and cosplay and and she, uh, she was apparently a the, lot of projects still involved with her ex-husband. And, and how long yeah. has he been gone? I did not know that. Uh, 96, know that? 96.
2: Yeah. 96. All right. So that's what 20 plus years. Twenty-four years. Yeah. It's quite a time. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine if he hadn't passed away, what he would be doing, he'd still be kicking it Marvel style.
4: Well, <laughs> what's, what's crazy also is, you know, uh, the condition that he, he passed of really, you don't, you're supposed to pass in your teens with that condition, actually. Right. And he lived until, mm-hmm. I think he was 43, which, you know, I, obviously he was put on this, you know, earth for a reason. And he, he, completed. he lived Yeah. And like they, I, he
0: packed a lot of life in a corner with his wife and it sounded like he was yeah. quite a
2: futurist. Indeed. And, and it, yeah, I will say this though, I gotta be honest, when she's talking about that fan who brought like all the books for him to sign, Rich, you've seen me at cons. I was like it's your stack. I was like, "That's so me. That's so me." That that was that, that. No, Leo, you don't understand that was me. No, he, he Drew gets like anxiety. He's got stacks, stacks,
4: and they're stacks.
0: organized very carefully. Well, so, I, I, so who he's gonna meet? He's like, I got the order down. Oh my god! Well,
2: yeah, the- I, 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 I it's, it's almost like the movie Heat. I've got the floor plan, the blueprints. He's looking like, at his wallet. He's like, "Do I
1: have enough money for this?" Well, which, which one? Which one wouldn't I get signed if I don't have enough?
2: I hate you so much.
1: <laughs>
2: oh my god, it's it's so funny. It. Because, yeah. It, no, Leo, you understand. It's it's so accurate. Yeah. Like I've gone through suitcase, like wheeling suitcases well, that have literally felt like I'm I'm pulling boulders through New York Comic-Con. My friend's like, oh, can I take that? I was like, if you want. And they're like, what the hell? And I was like, yeah, it's my own Thor's hammer. Like, I was like, you know, flip it. Cool, got it. And I'll do it. And I show people, like, the map. And even com people are like, you're dedicated. I'm like, that's one word for it. Yeah. Let's, you know. And it's so funny because I remember one time I had this. Because this is how um, you guys know Peter David is, yeah. obviously. Um, oh, okay. Peter David, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is, do you remember when he had that heart attack? Like it was a couple of years ago and it and uh and it was it was it was pretty serious. And I was like, Oh my god, like he's he's one of me and, and, and my girlfriend's favorite writers. We love X Factor and Spider Man twenty ninety nine. I was like, I gotta get as much sign as possible because if he croaks tomorrow, I'm never gonna fear myself. So I had like a stack that was this big, literally. I'm I'm measuring it by the size of this video, it was huge. And I had it for him and he saw me with it just and he was like, he just looked at me he was like, Holy shit. <laughs> and he signed every one of them he he was a fucking boss um i don't do that really much anymore because i i realized it's it's well one it's really expensive to do now um and two you know they, they don't certain people don't really appreciate that anymore like there used to be a time when people would they would see that and were like wow thank you for supporting all of my work like you're a real fan you're like yeah. you have everything like and you talked to him about it. Um, like, I remember I did that for, um, on my list, uh, Hitman, John McCrea, the artist. I, I showed up. I had everything. You know, Etrigan the Demon, all a Hitman, the miniseries, all this stuff. And I showed up. And I was really hesitant because I was like, is he going to sign all this? This is a lot. You know what I mean? He saw me. And I was dressed as Tommy, the main character. And he, he was so happy. He would have signed every one of them to me. And then just because he was like, this is your stuff. Like, this, you're not selling this. I was like, I would rather shoot myself actually in the face than sell this. Um, and I don't know. It's just things in, in con are changing. I was going to ask her about that, which she felt that the changes to conventions since the 80s, which, God, I would have loved to have been there. Um, I don't know. It's just cons are different, but I feel. Man, I gotta be honest with you. From what she told me, Mark would have loved how big Comic Cons got being able to meet all the fans and 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 seeing all the costumes. You guarantee he would have been that guy who would have got a photo with every Captain America cosplayer, no matter how shoddy, even if it was the nineties cap. It'd be like, Can I get a photo to remember how awful you look? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I don't know. That's just
4: <laughs> true stories. Yeah. So, well, so, so to, to kind of like anchor off that story, um, Please do. so give me purpose. <laughs> now my history and cons, when I used to go to them back in the day, it was, it was Star Trek conventions. You know, that, that, that was, that was my, my, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. you know, that, that was definitely my bag and you know, that's pretty much the only cons I went to. And then, you know, then bad, baby, what's that? Sorry
0: that's
4: your bag baby that's your bag baby uh, told- <laughs> bag, baby. uh I, and you know uh up until you know recently i don't within like last seven years i started going back to cons and uh you know the really the like rhode island comic-con you didn't really see that much of people bringing that many comics until i went to terrific and you know it was uh that's i didn't realize people did that you know bringing stacks of books you know have a a suitcases full and uh <laughs> I, I i i remember yeah uh, we wonder <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey it, it's getting warm in
2: here i better open a window it's just woo, i i warm. drew's made the drew's made the trip up once or twice uh, yep great it's great con one yeah. of the best mitch cannot is is a gentleman a scholar and i listen there are a few people i'm telling you right now uh i would love to read his tell all of uh, putting together cons because his photos with celebrities and whatnot yeah. that man with that hat just <laughs> wonderful he's gonna write he's gonna write a book someday i i know a few of those
0: stories there's some interesting stories
2: right oh yeah listen i i i gotta be honest with you that is one of my favorite things uh uh because um one of my one of my uh, I guess friends is um, he's one of the co-owners of of oh Yeah Comics, um, and I just swear to God, my favorite is just I love hearing him tell stories because he's been going to cons for like almost I think twenty plus years working as like a vendor and stuff, and he's horror cons, regular cons, everything, and he is just so freaking funny with the stories he knows and tells, and that's the I think my favorite thing of going to con. Is I love going to a con and dressing up, meeting your heroes. But and and Rich, you can back me up on this because this is pretty great. Is it when you when you're it's after the con, you all find a place to eat. It's not too expensive. It's affordable. You all find a place you can put your shit, whether it's props or suitcases or your your shoes, and you just sit and eat and you're just swapping stories. Yeah, that's the that's the best. Whether sure. it's your friends, whether it's and the best is when you see someone at the con in the restaurant. is like they're like us. They eat food. <laughs> they go out. They don't just sit at a booth and sign our shit. <laughs> they have lives. And, and you don't don't, no, no, You're at a con. Don't do that. Don't be that person.
0: <laughs> you, know? you know? When I used to go to New York Comic Con, we used to have that, but it was on the train on the way back. Yeah. Everybody be on the train, exhausted. You're like, what do you got? What do you got?
2: <laughs> yeah. Or... Or it's, it's, I think the other favorite is when you see comic famous people and they're interacting with people who have no idea who they are. Like I remember one time I saw Jim Starlin um, eating breakfast, just, you know, yeah, goatee, bald, glasses, wonderful. He's just eating breakfast at a hotel. And I'm just sitting there with my friend and I'm, I'm telling her, I was like, who's that? I'm like, Jim Starlin. And she was like, it's like who? And I'm like... The guy who created Thanos. Was like, oh, I'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was talking to this woman, and and she was very polite and everything. And 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 um, he hey Steve, um, he he explained who he was, and she was like she's like oh she's like he's like oh yeah, and she's like uh, it's like you're Jim Starlin, like what, what do you do? He said oh I, I write comics. I'm like oh what do you doing? He's like oh I, I created Thanos, and she was just like wow, but she had that face like. She almost, she, you know, like when they're like, like, oh, that's cool, but yeah. like, like, note to self, look up who Thanos is, you know. <laughs> but it's like a terrific, con, funny, terrific con. I remember one time I saw Jerry Ordway just walking around. You know, Jerry Ordway, artist, yeah. wonderful yeah. man, and this this, killer couple,
1: Superman. this killer yeah, Superman killer of
2: Superman, right? Killer of Superman, man who who you can wait online forever for. Um, he talks, he's a, he's a talk sketcher, but he just took a photo of these people. Like, I guess they were like a family at the casino. I'm like, Oh, and just, and I was like, do you know who just took your photo? But I was like, no, I can't keep being this for these people. I can't be the translator of the comics, the comic elite, you know, but it's just so funny. Uh, you know, uh, because again, to us, we're like, these are the pillars of our universe everyone else like this is just a dude just a dude or a lady they they work in comics they're like okay cool i work in i work in accounting you know but i don't know i'm sorry i'm rambling so no, you guys no
4: no can't... no it's great uh you talk about you know celebrities eating food uh we we were we become <laughs> <laughs> go go <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you talk about, you know, fans don't be in that, like that way. Uh, we've, uh, you know, over the years become, uh, pretty close to the comic book man, you know, and, uh, right. there was one time, you know, we were chilling out, uh, you know, behind our booth chatting with them and, uh, one of them comes back, you know, they're stuck at their booth like the whole time. And, uh, you know, one of them gets food and it's just like, he's trying to eat and you got fans coming up, trying to bug him while he's eating, you know, just, uh. You know, you get, yeah, that, yeah, yeah
2: I'm I, rich. I think I've talked to you about that. I still don't get it. What is so appealing about talking to us when we're eating every fucking time you're just eating mac and cheese. Can I get a photo? Yeah. You were ruining my cheesy goodness with the pasta. I paid $15 for this small, leave me alone. Yeah. Give me 10, go get a snack.
0: It, it, it can be. Um, and that's an, that's an interesting story, too, as a cosplayer. Because um, I used to talk to quite often um, Anthony, who was sort of the most famous Joker of all cosplayer mm-hmm. and um I, at one point i was like i was trying to be like hey you know you're because he was like doing this big I'm, I'm gonna do this big retirement thing and i'm like all right we're gonna go right. talk new york comic-con and i'm like would you be interested in sort of like introducing me as sort of you know your next protege and we were talking about that stuff so he goes why don't you come and hang out with me at new york comic-con for a few hours and see how you feel after that mm-hmm. and an hour and a half in i was like yeah i'm good i'm not interested at all <laughs> I am happy being a big uh, you know a big clown in a small pond.
4: <laughs> nice. That's awesome.
0: Um yeah because the guy never got a break. I mean Ever. It, and even with a handler, I mean of a fairly professional handler, um still I mean you're just sitting there and it's like photo after photo. And, and you're sitting there for like an hour and a half and you're like, I, I need to move.
2: No, the same thing used to happen to me because, uh, Leo, I was fairly small potatoes cosplay-wise. Like, I did some pretty big stuff. And then when I did 2015, and Rich Rich knows this because it's pretty funny when you see in person, when I for did Deadpool for the first time, nobody had ever seen that. And I could not walk five feet without someone taking a photo or hugging me or yelling my name and getting it wrong every time. I think one person the first day got it right. It was like, oh, it's Deadpool. And then I had keep like, oh, Winnie pool or, or, or Winnie the Deadpool. And I, and I had to keep correcting it. And every time, because I'm a good sport, but the first time I did it, I was sick. So my voice is gone. So I'm talking like, oh yeah. And I don't know how I did it. I must've drank like a gallon of water, like every 10 feet. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's so true. Like it's died down a bit, but every time I do it, people lose their damn mind. It's like you'd, you'd think that I was made of warbler. They're like, oh, that's amazing. I was like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm dying. It's just a really hot suit because you know it's it's fall when New York Comic Con usually happens, and I was like, nope, it's summer in here. <laughs> it is July twenty second. I'm roasting, but um, and it it's just so funny thinking about that and I gotta be honest with you when, I, when we see cons come back and I know they're coming back now or trying to and just because they are doesn't mean we have to um I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what new costumes because there's been so much new stuff like I'm expecting we're gonna see USA agents um we're definitely gonna see stuff from invincible there's gonna be omni-mans and 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 all that that's gonna be awesome Made a little resurgence with the show coming out. Oh yeah, that's gonna be oh god, not again. I thought we were good. I'm sorry. I just remember there was one time I had I had this joke in my mind. I just wanted to keep asking Loki, are you the original one? And I wanted to be like and they're like, Yes. I was like, okay, so if I knock you out, like the con is gonna get like twenty five percent less full, right? That's how it works. I hit you, then all your duplicates disappear. That's what Thor one was right, right? Yeah. Right. You know, I never found someone I could actually say that and it wasn't then they didn't get offended. Um I never actually said it out loud. I just want to point that out. But I thought about it a lot because there were so many Loki's and I was like,
4: you all look the same. They have a little variety. Read a comic book. Uh- oh Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, Steve uh, says uh, New York Comic Con is nice, but now it's so overcrowded. uh, So I just go to the other cons. And also, yeah, being in a train was fun. Watching other con goers get stuff and swap stories throughout the day. I know when uh, in cosplay got to stay hydrated. And I always try to keep at least a few bottles of what on me. And I have a few different armors and other outfits.
2: Leo, if you ever do cosplay, you're going to learn one thing. and, And Rich knows this as well and when you do cosplay you really appreciate pockets because oh, yeah. when you don't have pockets everything is awful yeah
4: cuz you yeah it's kind of hard for me to do uh cosplay because i bring so much equipment with me i normally have a backpack that i've been known to like wipe out families with as i turn around
2: oh it's okay my swords and i mean this the best about my swords have hit so many children in the face yeah. god that really didn't sound right it just <laughs> like <laughs>
4: Uh, um just real the quick. second I said that. Yeah. No, uh, go please. Uh, no, this is stupid cuz it's you know it it has no connection whatsoever. But did you get the reverse Deadpool joke in uh in uh, Squadron Supreme? I did
2: actually. The, uh, I I caught that. It took me a second. I was just like, I see you there, Greenwald.
4: Yeah. Like, I see you, you clever bastiche. Uh hopefully we're talking about the same thing. Uh the yellow pants? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I was like,
2: but Honestly, just back to squadron. On, yeah. This was so great. I'm like, honestly, this is for me. I because I very rarely want to rate something like a, a five, but this was for me was definitely a four point seven five. Like this was so just wonderful. Like I I feel like if I wanted to, I would, and I've sat in combo classes. I would I would have this on a syllabus. I was like, this is. I wouldn't say how it's done, but this is definitely uh, something that I feel like you should read and really get. Like, this is how you write real people, like real heroes.
4: Like, what did you guys think? Well, uh, so it's four point seven five crowbars for you. Yes, sir. Uh, Velvet Joker.
0: I I agree with Drew one hundred percent. Four point seven five. It's it's so close to a five. Uh, Maybe if parts of it weren't as dated, but. Yeah, yeah it's just an incredible story and uh and, and i feel i i felt emotional talking to Catherine about it like my we uh, were actually starting to tear up and, yeah you uh, you almost cried it was it was i was like whoa go to yeah. go,
2: go put the deadly browns on let them cry <laughs> you yeah, yeah, can yeah. let a reader see this
0: <laughs> yeah she she it's rare when my mouth stops working and uh for a second there i was like oh! and uh, it took me a second to compose myself but uh yeah yeah it, it, it uh it really touched me and it brought me back to a time um when i was you know much younger and seeing her in new york city um i'm originally a queen's boy hey. uh, my grandfather had a suit store on stanton street on the lower east side of manhattan mm-hmm. uh, i was like man just throw a piece of pizza through that camera i need real pizza
2: <laughs> rich, rich, let, rich let me i'll tell you if i can the next time i'm in your area for a con ever i'll see if i can bring you some new york pizza I know, like, but it, yeah, i'll take it i'll take it
1: or or a six
0: pack of white castles
2: <laughs> okay i'll get the pizza
0: what what pizza about
4: what about new haven pizza. pizza
2: on the pizza no. no 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 leo no it won't mix those no what leo listen it's it's not bad it's just not new york no you know? yeah
0: new haven is not the same and listen, I lived in Connecticut for many, many years. And I like Connecticut pizza, but it's not the same.
2: No, it's, I, I totally agree with him. You know, I I've had pizza from all sorts of states, but they ain't sure ain't nothing like a New York slice, yes. especially late at night at 3 a.m. White Castle is a Jersey thing. I've seen Harold Kumar. I know what happens in New Jersey <laughs> with White Castle. Stephen. we know that's why I'm deathly afraid of running into a Jaguar at 3 a.m.
4: Okay. I know this is totally off topic, but speaking of Pepsi, you know we don't—not uh, Pepsi. Pepsi. <laughs> Where oh. did Pepsi come? Cheeseburger. Yeah. Uh, speaking of pizza, uh, you know this is uh, extremely odd, but we we don't get pizza that often. And there's this uh, Greek place we like to go to, but um, again, totally off topic. But uh, they make a fantastic spaghetti pizza. You guys ever ever have spaghetti pizza? Go
0: on. That really sounds like blasphemy. <laughs>
4: It, it, it's go on it's, it's a really good pizza great sauce uh and in between the bread and the cheese is spaghetti in
0: between the bread and the cheese
4: yes genius it is it's freaking phenomenal it's yeah i just wanted to bring that up since it was just we just had Leo. it the other day
0: yeah connecticut shall be spared now but Leo, I'm trying to bring it back. We're both 4.75 right. <laughs> crowbars. How you, are brother? you feeling about the squadrons? You uh,
4: I, I will give it a solid 4.5 crowbars. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, the artwork was great. The story was great. Uh, you know, it, it did get a little uh, uh, long in a tooth for me, uh, you know, through it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's it was just a fantastic story. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I probably would have... Um, if I didn't feel stressed to read everything before, uh, tonight, uh, I probably would have rated it higher, but, um, I had to rush through some stuff and, uh, cause this work's been crazy lately, but I, yeah, I did know. make sure I read the whole thing and, and I loved it, but yeah, just uh, four and a half. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cool.
0: Uh, All right. Well, listen, we are now topping two hours again. I know. Crazy. Yeah, uh, we got to work on that. And, and I, I know we had a, uh, that great first hour. Yes, but um, I I don't know how much people are gonna keep putting up with these two-hour.
2: Yeah, I guess we, we we need to talk. Figure, I feel like we gotta cap it at like an hour and a
4: half. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Well, we we still have yeah. we still have people watching, so that's a good thing thank you
2: everybody you're great Thanks for hanging in guys
4: thank you so much we're so
2: stupid um but we love you too um so is this where we say the the where we find each other yep where Are we, we rap- find
4: each other and any last minute words anything cool you're reading uh besides uh this week's uh episode and uh mm. yeah so uh drew
2: cool hi i'm drew You can find me at Drew Malo on Facebook. We'll go to 1984 on Instagram. I'm a writer for screen rant. So look up Drew Malo screen rant and you know, may help me make some money Um, book. I'm reading right now. I'm reread. I'm finally reading all the preacher. Dear God. Why it's so great, but it's so fucked up and um, uh, don't let your dreams stay memes kids.
4: Okay. Oh, wrong button. Uh, Velvet
2: Joker.
0: Yes. And you can find me on Facebook as rich Davis. Uh, or you can find me on Instagram, VelvetJoker2021. And besides reading Squadron Supreme this week, I also read Mark Benwald's Contest of Champions, and it was fun to see that Pereguine almost kick Angel's ass.
2: Yeah. It was fun. Yeah.
4: Awesome. Uh, And uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. But more importantly, follow these awesome people, Drew and rich they do fantastic stuff and uh you know i run a little thing called the dorkening podcast network over 30 shows on a network a lot of awesome stuff by a lot of awesome people and uh you know uh other than uh mark runewald i i did uh uh fly through his um uh his continuity book the i forgot the name of it it's uh, like mm uh
2: the, what, the official marvel yeah. Ambrook. Yep. yeah yeah
4: Yeah. And I I thought that anything to do with continuity, you know, like with Star Trek, you know, I, I, you know, I love like the encyclopedias, like all the continuity. So continuity is is, I love it. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, before reading this, uh, I read uh, what was it? Robin number one, uh, okay, the new one. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good new Damien book. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, With that, we'll uh, catch you guys later bye peace out have a great evening say everybody bye oh my god why is this heavy <laughs> all right uh, I gotta go eat yeah thank you so much you have an awesome night you